in the history of the Atlanta Braves baseball team, there are a great many players. There's Chipper Jones. We all know Chipper. He's great. Probably going to be a Hall of Famer. Andrew Jones, another Jones. Uh, John Smoltz. There's also another pitcher, and the name of the pitcher is not who's on this podcast, but it is, if you are listening to this and you're a Braves fan, or even maybe maybe you're a Cardinals fan, uh, you might be, you might be led astray because the guest that on this podcast today is somebody who, she doesn't know how sharks freeze in the ocean, she cannot tell you the answer to that one if you ask her, uh, she does not like to really elaborate on that sort of thing. And even though, despite the fact that I can see a dolphin right now in the back behind her, along with the word dance, and if you're still listening to this and you're a Braves fan, you probably have checked out. But, of course, I'm talking about no one else, but Shelby Miller, not the Braves pitcher. Shelby, thank you for being here. Yeah, no problem. Thank you for berating me in my introduction. So, for those of you who don't know, which is anyone besides me or Shelby, there was an article in the Boston Globe, and it said that sharks were freezing. Because here in Massachusetts, it's been very cold. Uh, wind chill brings it to, like, negative 30. And the, they were just said that the sharks were freezing. So I was like, how is this possible? How can something freeze like that? So I went into the article, and I read it, and it told me nothing. And I read two more articles, and I got nothing. So I texted her. She got very mad. And so I left it alone. And I posted it on Facebook, and I said, somebody, please help me. And I never got an answer. Because I don't get it. But that's okay. Okay, I'll help you. So I'm a biologist. So to me, that was sort of a stupid question. I don't know. It's um, not a stupid question because it doesn't make sense. I thought it was. No, it does. Because the water temperature is going down and animals are used to having a certain water temperature and some can't survive below a certain temperature. So the species of sharks that have been washing up in Massachusetts were four thresher sharks. And thresher sharks cannot survive in water below 44 degrees. And our water, our surface water temperature out in the deep water is where they are usually. So the surface water temperature has been below 41. So they basically just kind of frozen and died. It's called cold water shock. It happens to a lot of animals around this time of year. But since this has been a, like a really, really cold winter, then that's why that's been happening more frequently. And it's kind of been a weird uh, natural phenomena, I guess. So there's your answer. It said it in that article that you sent me, so that's why I thought it was a stupid question, because it was literally on the bottom. It, it said all that. So. For the record, it did not say that in the article. I'll screenshot it, and I will send it to you right now, because it did. I read it with my own eyeballs, and it did. The joke's on you, because while my phone records this podcast, I can't look at text messages. Well, you can look at it after, well, because the, it's true. The good people of... Oh, I should probably tell you, this podcast is Goodbye Mellow Brick Road, everybody, and the good people of the podcast will never know if I look at the screenshot or not. Well, he's probably going to look at the screenshot because he opened every single one of my texts. That's so actually not it's, true. It's being screenshotted and it's being sent to you so that you can see that it's a real thing. I think you, if this was not on a podcast that other people were listening to, you would not have explained it to me. Yeah, you're right. I wouldn't because I thought it was stupid. I thought it was a stupid question of you to ask because it was right there in the article, so. Let the record show, at the time of reading the article, it was not there, but be that as it may. It was there, you just didn't <laughs> scroll enough. Be that, be that as it may, we do not have the baseball picture here. We have Shelby. My dear friend, Shelby, we just watched the Golden Globes, parts of it. We saw the movie, we saw The Greatest Showman together, and then we 
we're not together watching the Golden Globes, but we both saw the greatest showman lose. The two of the three awards it was up for, it actually won for best original song, but we'll get to the songs in a little bit. Uh, it lost, Hugh Jackman lost, and the movie lost to, oh, fuck, uh, Fra- James Franco and Lady Bird, respectively, which, you know, Lady Bird was pretty good. I didn't see Lady Bird. Lady Bird was good. It was definitely not a musical, but what can be these days, except for The Greatest Showman. We got to stay on topic here. The Greatest Showman, it is, I thought, okay, so I don't, P.T. Barnum I have a problem with because of the animal abuse, and it did not talk about the animal abuse at all in the movie. However, well, okay, so they're not going to talk about the animal abuse, first of all, because it is an upbeat children's movie that is a musical, so why would they put that heavy-ass topic on top of everything? Well, that's that what would I... just That would ruin the entire atmosphere of the movie. That's what I'm saying. Like, as a movie about a guy who actually was a person, it's a terrible movie. But as a musical, it's just fucking delightful. It is. It stars Honestly. the aforementioned Hugh Jackman, the titular Zac Efron, uh, and... Zendaya is in it. Uh, Michelle Williams, we know her. We saw... We did not see it together, but we saw Manchester by the Sea. Uh, like, I, I just don't like him being in a freezer, right? Remember that from... Yeah. She remembers it. Uh, oh, and Rebecca Ferguson is in the movie, so... If you want five people who are going to be in your movie and you want them to be those five people, I recommend The Greatest Showman to you. Hey, your, t- your screenshot just came in, but I'm not going to look at it. Okay, so, what we're doing... There's only 11 songs on this soundtrack, so a top... You might, you might be thinking to yourself, a top five Greatest Showman songs? Dave, what are you doing? That's not going to make any sense. But I say no, because at the worst possible scenario, there's only going to be 10 songs featured, and that's not all the songs, and that's all you need to make a top five list. So, I'm going to start first, because you're the guest, and we want to end on a high note, which, <laughs> let me tell you, Shelby can hit some high notes, am I right? We're not going to talk about that, but okay. <laughs> no, you actually agreed to sing the entire soundtrack, didn't you? For the podcast? Um, I did not agree to sing the entire soundtrack. I said that I maybe could try singing one song, but... For the podcast listeners? No, not for the podcast. <laughs> just to... Also, I don't know if we're legally allowed to do that. Eesh. Okay, so I'll start it off. My number five pick, I have it as The Other Side, which is the... Really? Yeah. I do, too. Uh, number five? Yeah, number five. Because it's great. What do you like about That's... the other side? Um, I like how poppy the song is. I think I really liked how kind of mainstream the entire sound of the entire soundtrack is. So I really liked how it was very theatrical. Um, especially in the movie, I liked the choreography a lot. Um, and I liked how it was Zac Efron and Hugh Jackman in one duet together. It was really good. And I liked all of their, it has a really good melody and a really good, like, back soundtrack and everything like that. Um, And I really like the fact that it actually does tell a story and it really does fit in with the entire storyline. So that's one of the reasons I put it at my number five. So we talked about this a little bit after the movie, because we saw, when we saw La La Land, you, you didn't say the choreography was bad, but you said it was simple. And... For some, for some, for a, a simple person like me, I was like, "La La Land has the best choreography I've ever seen in my life." And you were like, "Here's why you're wrong. Here, are, here are fourteen reasons why you're wrong. Each of them is better than the last." And so I was like, "Okay, well, I guess that makes sense." But you know, Ryan Gosling tap dancing on a park bench—I can only be so impressed. And yeah, but 
those steps that Ryan Gosling was doing, I learned when I was maybe four years old. So, I mean, I've been dancing since I was like two. So those, all of those things were kind of simple to me in La La Land. And plus I think that La La Land was more like an artistic kind of movie and kind of musical as opposed to The Greatest Showman. It was very theatrical. Like to me, it seemed being, me being a theater kid, me being in drama all through high school, um, to me, The Greatest Showman actually seemed like it was more of a theater production in that I was actually watching a play and watching a musical in front of me as opposed to La La Land, which was more like a movie with maybe sliding a couple of dance steps in there and throwing up Ryan Gosling in some tap shoes and telling him to tap and then having it like impress people because it was Ryan Gosling tapping. But um, I was impressed. I with all the choreography it was very very well done and it was actually a lot more theatrical than the la la land was do you think miss dutton and also if you're listening to this miss dutton shouts to miss dutton uh do you think she will do the greatest showman one day at lhs um honestly i pray to god that she doesn't because it'll just ruin the entire thing um because <laughs> our, no. drama our drama department at the high school has very limited limited ability to do anything like this, they would not be able to do it. And I not think, Miss Dutton, I'm going to raise some money for you, and you're going to you're going to be able to do it. Okay. So yeah, Zac Efron, Hugh Jackman duet. What more could you want out of the movie? As this is actually the song that I told you when I was listening to it. I was like, I wish I could sing. I wish I had that talent. <laughs> um. Okay. Number four. I have at number four the song that you during the theater looked over at me, and I couldn't tell if you were laughing or crying, and it just looked like a like a mess of both. You just seem to really enjoy yourself with this one. I put a million dreams, which is probably of the song, of the songs in the movie. It probably has my favorite lyrics. It's probably doesn't have my favorite sound, but it has my favorite lyrics. And uh, the way that it's reprised is great because the four that are involved with the singing are really good singers. Uh, Hugh Jackman obviously proved himself with the '09 Oscars when he was like the reader, and uh, Michelle Williams didn't know she could sing, just knew she could cry. And the two kids, they were fine. And uh, a million dreams, and by based on your reaction, I'm gonna guess that you had this at number four as well. I had a million dreams at number four too. I thought it was really good. I really liked this song. Like you said, I really liked the lyrics and the words to it, but I also liked um, the whole melody and the whole sound of the entire song because this is a song that I listened to like once or twice, and it got stuck in my head for like a good three days, and I couldn't get it out. Um, so this was a good song. That was not anything. Have you been listening to the soundtrack a lot? Yeah, I have. Basically, since we went to see it, I downloaded all the songs that I like from the soundtrack, and um, I've been listening to them nonstop because they're awesome and they're great. <laughs> yeah, I've been rotating between this and Coco. I do miss... I what? I haven't seen Coco yet. So You'd I like it. Tell. I I miss the Christmas music, but, you know, can't go wrong with some Zephron, some Hugh Jackman, some Zendaya. It's always good. Okay, so this is going to be interesting at number three, if you have the same song as me again, but... Uh, this is one that I didn't really appreciate. Like, I've been listening to the soundtrack before I even saw the movie, so I've been into it. And this one I didn't really get, but in the context of the movie, it's really powerful. And going back to it, like, listening to it, like, like, like ooh, ooh, I'm getting, getting some old, getting some chills, chills down the old, the old spinal column. Uh, I have, at number three, it's From Now On. Nope. Okay, not in her top five, it seems. From Now On is the last song on the soundtrack, not the last song in the movie. It is the one in the bar with Hugh Jackman and all of the Island of Misfit toys. Oh, uh, God, you're so wrong. What do you mean? That's not it. Yeah, the it one is. Where they're 
far. No, that's come alive. No, at the end, after he redeems himself. Okay. You know what I mean? We're thinking of two different things, but yeah. He's like, from now on, these eyes will not be blinded by the light. We know that song? Yeah, but that whole song starts with him. All right, so spoiler alert, but this whole song starts with him. Wait, wait, spoilers! Turn off the podcast. His spoiler is not enough warning, you know what I mean? Spoiler, though. But it's like, okay. this whole song starts with him softly singing to his wife. From and now on? Like, yeah. Okay, yes. Softly singing to his wife on the beach, and then it goes into the bar, like, with all of those dancers and the island mess with toys and everything like that. But, um... <laughs> I didn't like the really... What? <laughs> Nothing. I just thought about something else that you said earlier. Keep going. So I listened to this song and I didn't like it. It didn't make it in my top five because I don't like the way that it starts and the way that it ends. So like, it's if you're just listening to, I think that a musical you should be able to kind of listen to the soundtrack and get basically the whole story of everything, um, without having to watch the movie because then that means that like the songs actually go into the um into the plot, um. But I didn't really like the song because it went from one whole different situation. And if you weren't watching the facial expressions that were happening on the screen, you were only listening to the soundtrack, you wouldn't be able to follow what had happened. Do you know what I'm trying to say? Okay, so... I don't, I don't really... I don't... From now on, didn't really stick in my head like that. my other three songs did. So you're saying so, if you were to listen to the soundtrack, you would not get an ending to the movie. No. Because there's no real song about their whole affair that goes on. Yeah. So you don't know why he needs redemption. Is that what you're saying? Yeah. Okay. I just like it because it sounded cool. Mm-hmm. Okay, so I'm going way too deep for you. No, but like, no, I get that because when I when I watch, when I listen to musicals, um, I'm always like, like, I'm like, so these songs are like really catchy and really good. Why aren't they on the radio? It's because um, they are very plot heavy, and that's what a musical is. It uses music to move the plot along. And now that you say it, this is very much a song that is thematic, and it really captures like what the point of the movie is trying to say. And it's not what the story is; it's what the story is about, and that's what they're missing from. I get it. Yeah, I know. I like it. It's it, I like looking at musicals in that way. The thing I think when you said see, you started talking about the song. And I thought about when you we were listening we were listening to the Moana soundtrack, and an innocent warrior from the song the soundtrack came on, and you said this is the song that I listen to and I just get fucking stressed, and I have like a little note thing on my phone where I keep track of things that make me laugh and that was like it just the way you like said it it really got me and that's what I started thinking about in halfway through your uh, spiel about from now on. Well, literally, that's what happened. Whenever I hear that song, like. I literally kind of, if I'm ever really, really stressed, I turn that song on from Moana. This is, for those of you who don't know Moana, it's the part of the movie when she's a little, little girl and she's like going into the ocean. The ocean's kind of curling back so that she can see everything and follow this trail of shells. And it's so peaceful (laughs) and it's quiet and the voice that sings it is just so soothing. Like if I ever get stressed, I literally lock my bedroom door I lay on the floor, <laughs> and I listen to this song, and I literally just let tears roll down my face. While I'm... That's that's the song that gets me through my college career, gets me through finals week. I probably listened to it like three or four times during finals week. So, 
It's the most beautiful scene of the movie. It really is. 100% is. Okay, what is your number three song? My number three song, I really, really like this song. This was a part of the movie that I actually kind of freaked out. Um, this was Zendaya and Zac Efron in the duet, and it's We Write the Stars. Good so pick. I, I actually really, 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 really like this song. And I like the whole, um, all of the choreography that goes along with this song, too. Um, and I liked, after we saw the movie, I watched a bunch of different interviews about them and how they had to, they were both kind of just thrown into this role together and that they had to kind of figure out where they were and their chemistry sort of things. And because these two are love interests. But I thought it was funny because in all the interviews that I watched, Zendaya and Zac Efron, the first thing that they had to do together was film this scene. And when you guys see this movie, um, if you see this movie, um, they actually are on ropes and trapezing around the set. And they basically just have one part of the song where the two of them are swinging in a circle and then they kind of just smash into each other and then start spinning. And I watched a bunch of interviews where they were like, yeah, that was the first thing that we had to do. We had to be really comfortable with kind of smashing into each other and making sure no one got broken. Um, and if you listen to the song, it's a really good song. Um, I love the melody and I love Zendaya's voice so much. And then, of course, Zac Efron, when they had the whole love interest happening, the little high school musical girl in me came out and I was like, oh my God. So that's why I really love that song. And that's why that's my number three. When we were driving home after seeing the movie, you said that if Zac Efron had actually jumped onto her while she was swinging around, it would have killed her. Is that true? Um, yeah, so we did go see this with Nicole. And Nicole's my cousin. She did Ariel for about a year and a half, two years. Um, if they were doing it at a real height, and he basically, the way that she was holding herself, she was only holding herself by one hand with the kind of... Um, the rope wrapped around her wrist. So if he had jumped onto her at the height that they were at where she was like swinging and stuff, it basically would have just like broken her wrist off because she probably would have fell. So <laughs> they, were probably, they were probably doing these trapeze stunts, probably a good like maybe foot off the ground and they were swinging at that point just in case like if anyone fell, they would be able to catch themselves. But I did see her interview on, uh, on Jimmy Fallon where she said that she had to learn how to do all that herself. And I just... You'd think that like they they would just do like CGI or something, but no, that's actually her doing that shit. That's crazy. Well, she is a very experienced dancer. Like she started her career on Shake It Up, which was on Disney Channel, which is about um, being a professional dancer. So, and now I, she's. I, I think she would be able to learn to do that stuff, and she she actually did. So that's pretty cool. Well, good Zendaya, if you're listening to this, we're proud of you. Um. Uh, my number two pick is, I think it was a song that was used in most of the marketing and trailers for the movie because it's pretty close to being the titular song. Um, it's the greatest show because it's like as a whole piece of music, it's really delightful and it's fun to listen to. But there's also like a lot of cool moments in it. Like listening to it beforehand, I didn't understand why Zac Efron came in halfway through and replaced Hugh Jackman. And then when you see the movie, it makes sense. And Hugh Jackman, like, his his little spoken thing at the beginning is cool. The way he goes, like, it's everything you ever want. It's everything you ever need. That's a pretty cool part. Uh, it's here, right in front of you. It's the next part of that. And uh, there's another part that I like. 
Oh, when just when they say the chorus, it sounds cool because I like Hugh Jackman's voice. Uh, yeah. yeah, the greatest show. It's how you open the movie. It's how you close the movie. And we think at first that the circus. Spoilers alert. Uh, this is gonna be spoilers, but we think at first that the circus is everything you ever want, everything you ever need, everything that's right in front of you. But by the end of the movie, it's his daughters. That's everything he ever wanted. That's everything he ever needed. It was everything that was right in front of him the whole time. Shelby. I, know. <laughs> I mean, that was a really good pick for number. I did like I like the whole in the beginning I really liked how the movie opened up with that song and how I like I really like the hard-hitting beats within the song because me coming from a dance background like it's really fun to hit those beats so when they were all dancing to it it was kind of like a good thing for me to look at and then when they start the movie and you just see Hugh Jack when he hits that pose he goes ladies and gents this is the moment you waited for and it's like that like deep, soft, really, like, mysterious voice that comes out of Hugh Jackman. It was, (laughs) I just, like, I, when I got the album, I actually would fast forward to that part in the song, listen to those, like, six words that he says, and then rewind it and listen to them again, because it's so cool to listen to it. So, that's a good pick for number two. Was it number two or number three? That was my number two selection. The only thing with the beginning part where he speaks, it's like, it's really cool. But the problem is that when you're in the shower listening to the soundtrack, you can't hear it over the water. I know. <laughs> this is exactly the problem that I run into. <laughs> it's so frustrating, right? Yeah, we're literally the same person. It really freaks me out sometimes. We're All kindred right. spirits. All right, your number two pick. My number two pick was a very theatrical song, very dramatic song um, that kind of, it's a very motivational song in the movie. Um, and you can kind of see how this character goes through different ways of singing this song, because there is a reprise to the song. Ooh, um, little tease. But you can see the characters actual, like, between the first time singing this song and then the last time they sing this song, you can see how the character has evolved and how the character, the shit that this character has gone through. <laughs> um, so this is Never Enough. I really like this song. It's a very, very powerful song. And I love the person that sings it. So Rebecca Ferguson is the... Um, Rebecca Ferguson. Shut up. But Rebecca Ferguson is the character who like plays the character in the movie. But the woman who actually sings this song in real life is Lauren Allred. And she was actually on The Voice. And I am just in love with her voice. So as soon as this movie... this As soon as the song came on in the movie, I like immediately fell in love with The Voice. So I've been listening to the song nonstop. And it's so powerful if you actually listen to the lyrics and learn about like the song it's it's a really really good song so i really like this one it's never enough i like never enough like when you listen like okay so first of all in the movie they say she's an opera singer this song is not opera because the whole soundtrack is very pop and modern and this is not opera what well they made her character be an opera singer because it was like fit in with the times i don't know if that was like a real fact that happened to pt barnum when he like she probably was a real opera singer, singer at the time, but they obviously had to make this like a pop ballad. To but fit like, in with the... every moment where you think she hits like the most amazing note, it she like tops it like six times in the next like fifteen seconds, and she just That's keeps getting. Like... The song is more and more powerful as it goes on. Um, 
To be I, honest with you, during the movie, this song, I actually got goosebumps. And it like that doesn't happen very often when I'm listening to music. So I, it definitely had to be on my top five. For me, listening to music, I get goosebumps all the time. I think music is the coolest. And I don't understand it. And I'm not good at it, but I still like it. I get, I get it all the time when I, but this one, like, I was like, I was like moved. I was like getting teary eyed. I was like, she is such a good singer. And I leaned over to her. I was like, who is this? And she, you were like, I don't fucking know, Dave, leave me alone. And I was like, oh, it's so good. And who is this person? Who is this voice? This voice of an angel. Um, what? Her voice is so good. It's unbelievable. I, it was, this song, it's, it's so good. It's not in my top five. I think if you were to like, if, if you had actually successfully sang a version of the song, it probably would have been like number one or number two, just because it would have had that extra level of meaning. Well, listen, I've been working on it, but I haven't actually sang, like actually sang with my voice in about a year. So I believe that you'll be able to do it, but I think it's still a very good song. I think it'd probably be my number six choice. It's right. It's right. It's right there. Um, uh, yeah, good pick. I like it. Can't go wrong. Uh, I was worried that you were gonna pick that Michelle Williams solo song, Tightrope, and I was gonna have to oh. yell. I was gonna have to yell at you for it. <laughs> but no, no, nobody's picking Tightrope because my number one pick. We talked about it a little bit earlier. It's my number one is Rewrite the Stars. Um, it's so good. Uh, I'm a big Zac Efron fan from way back in the day. He's my man. Uh, Zendaya's pretty cool. Learned her about her with Spider Man, so I'm still familiarizing myself with her. I haven't had uh, what is it now? Twelve years like I had with Efron. Um, Rewrite the stars. It's it's really like I. This is another one I have a problem with when I listening to it in the shower and I try to sing along. I I can do most of it for the most part because like I don't like do it well. I just can like sing along to it. But when he goes up into the next register when he's like singing and it go like his voice is like, is that a fault? Is that it's called a falsetto? Yeah. When he does that, I can't do it. Uh, yeah. It's like it's it bothers me, but voice. It's so good. He's a he's a great singer. It's just why like listening to this one, it's like like a lot of the a lot of the other songs have better moments, but this one is the most consistent, the one I like look forward to listening to the most. I actually found like I've been listening to the soundtrack and there's actually somebody did a re edit of the soundtrack on I think it was Spotify. They put it into a new order that they said it doesn't make sense story wise, but the sound of it is so much better. And they put rewrite the stars right after the greatest show and I'm like, Yes, this is great. Whoever did this, whoever, I don't have your Spotify username, but thank you. You're not listening to this, so you don't give a shit, but thank you. Because it sounds good, and it's such a good song. Uh, I just, it's going to be the one that I probably remember the most from this. That scene is probably going to be the scene that I take away from this movie the most. Because, um, like, I'm a romantic at heart, and the two of them were the romance story. Like, there was Hugh Jackman and Michelle Williams, but we all know that the true romance of the story came with those two. And uh, well, it just made my heart sore. What? were star-crossed lovers so like at the time that this whole story was taking place like there was a lot of racism in zendaya is obviously a mixed person so it was all about them kind of overcoming the racial barriers to being together which i thought was pretty cool are they based on real people i didn't look that up i didn't look that up either i'm gonna look it up right now okay I'm, i'm gonna vamp uh I also liked in this song at the very end their harmonies together. I really like Zendaya's part of it, if you listen to it. Um, I liked how she has to sing the song, because he's singing more of the melody and she's singing the harmonies part. Um, but I talked to you, I talked about this earlier, 
when um, I watched this interview where all three of them together, Hugh Jackman, Zendaya, and Zac Efron, and they actually were talking about what their experience was like recording in the studio. And Hugh Jackman was like, I would try and do like a lick every so often. And that's when you like make your voice go like up and down and all that stuff. Um, and he, <laughs> he was like, whenever I was recording and I would do that, the director would stop me and be like, no, 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 you have to record all of that again. And he'd be like, why? And he'd be like, Zendaya and Zac Efron get to do these licks and riffs all the time. And the director would just look at Hugh Jackman and be like, that's because they're good and you're not. So you'd have to record the whole song again. <laughs> and I thought that was one of the funniest interviews that I watched after seeing this movie. I think Hugh Jackman's a good singer. He's a classically trained singer. So, like, he's a very good singer. Like, he had to do Les Mis and all of that was recorded live. So that was actually, like, how he was singing in the moment after, like, a 12-hour day of singing in front of cameras. Well, now I have to watch Les Mis. That take, you've never seen Les Mis? No. Les Mis and um, Hugh Jackman and, oh my gosh, why can't I remember his name? The dude that we used to always yell in Mr. Larrington's class. Oh, Russell Crowe. Oh, Russell Crowe's in it, and he sings live. Okay, now I have to check this out. Russell Crowe's the man. And who else is in it? Um, Not Benedict Cumberbatch, the one that looks like him, but doesn't look like him. He has freckles. Oh, gosh. Your sister would know if she was here. Uh, it's like Andrew something. Andrew? I think so. While you look it up, I will mention to the listeners that uh, there's no record if Zendaya's character was a real person, but Zac Efron is playing a character who was ba- partly based on a man named James Anthony Bailey, if you were curious about that. That's who he's playing. It's not a real person, but it's based on a real person. Get it? Barnum and Bailey Circus, so now that makes sense. Oh, I didn't put that together. Barnum I think, Bailey. is the person you're thinking of Eddie Redmayne? Yep, I was just about to say it. Oh, I, I, didn't, <laughs> I didn't mean to take your thunder. I thought you were still Googling it. Wait, no, okay. I got- Listeners, rewind for like five seconds. Okay, Shelby, did you ever find out who that person was in Lay Miz? Yeah, I was mistaken. It's not Benedict Cumberbatch. I was thinking of someone else. It's Eddie Redmayne. Oh, Eddie Redmayne. Everyone's favorite foppish magok. But if you ever get in like a really like theater mood, you should definitely watch Lay Miz. But you should take a couple snacks with you. Make sure that you pee ahead of time. Because that movie is literally four hours long. And all of the singing is done live. So they recorded everything live. They didn't go into a studio and record anything. I mean, The Departed is two and a half hours, so I'm sure I can handle it. The Departed is really good. We'll discuss. That'll be another one. Top five. What? Number one. We'll do top five Departed moments one day. You say you're number one of the song list? Yeah, rewrite the stars. I didn't. It had that moment where you said they meant the the, the harmony, uh, and just so you know, I can't hear what you're saying, so I'm stalling. Uh, they did rewrite the stars in the harmony that you mentioned when uh, they sing like "All I want is to fly with you, all I want is to fall with you." I always think they're gonna say "All I want is to fly with you, all I want is to die with you," because that's what I think like the rhyme is gonna be. But then they say "fall," and I'm like, "That's so cool!" And they harmonize it; it's really great. Uh, I think what I did really, I think I got the audio working again. Can, can you hear me again? Can you hear me now? Yeah, I can hear you. 
feel like I'm not stupid commercial. Okay. With the guy well, who I, betrayed AT and T. Yeah, I didn't get to do my number one of the song list. Can I do mine? Oh jeez, sure. Do your number one. Well, are you done? You were just talking about our top five departed moments, which doesn't fit in. No, I said do it. We'll do it another time. Oh, the top five departed. Okay. Yeah, that like, we'll do. That'll be your our, your next app. Okay, that sounds like a good plan. Recurring guest. Yeah. All right. <laughs> no, I'm just now I'm just trying to find ways to make it so you can't say your number one. Um. So I'm gonna say my number one for this movie was actually a really good song about kind of um finding who you are and not caring what people think, even if you're like a bearded lady or a midget. Um, you kind of just have to get through your life living with who you are and kind of embracing all of it. So this is, this is me was my number one song. Wasn't it just voted, um, best song in the Golden Globes or something tonight? Yep, it was. It was. So that's my number one on the list. I love this song. It's very poppy, very motivational, inspirational. So that's like one of my new treadmill songs (laughs) along with Sorry Not Sorry by Demi Lovato it's just up there to kind of like get me motivated and doing shit throughout my life so so jimmy fallon says that this is his new jam yeah jimmy fallon it's a new jam i disagree with jimmy fallon on this one and really i think you've completely blown your top five by putting it at number one really i love this song i mean it's a good song it's the song that they're going with for the oscar so it's obviously it has merit but I don't. I think the other there's other songs in this movie that are better. And... Oh, you're also a very romantic person, so that I can see why you put "Rewrite the Stars," but you also didn't put ne- "Never Enough" on your list. So Let's... I thought you totally would have, but you didn't. That's my number six. And like I said, like, like, so not... like I don't know. What? Well, it's like this is me. It's like I feel like we've heard that song before. You know what I mean? Like. Like, that fight song, like, we're like, this is my fight song, like, that one. I feel like there's a lot of songs out there that do the same thing. And Yeah, but I also think it was kind of, like, a turn in the movie's plot, because that was kind of when they had just been kind of taken for granted and kind of exploited as freaks in sideshows, and then they decided it was when he was at a party or something, uh, P.T. Barnum, they wanted to come in and have drinks with everyone, that had just gone to the show, and he was like, no, people will see you. And they were like, yo, what the fuck? We just, like, made your fame. We made you rich. Like, what is the issue? You don't want people to see us in public? So then they start singing this song. The bearded lady, I don't know who she is. She has a really powerful voice, and it really kind of just resonated with me. Um, She starts singing the song, kind of, like, talking, talking this message, like, you can't step on me. You can't walk all over me. I'm a person too, like, and all this stuff. So then they end up, the entire crew from the circus walks through this big ballroom of, like, rich white people in gowns and everything like this, drinking champagne with their long-ass, like, gloves on. And they walk through and kind of just cause a ruckus. But they're all singing this song and dancing through the crowd, and everyone's kind of splitting, and it was just a very good moment for me in this movie. Could you I describe really... the ruckus? Can I describe? <laughs> Can you describe the ruckus? Um, you get the reference. Was... Yes, I do get the reference. <laughs> uh, no, it's yeah, like it... it's a good song, but I just like I think it's... I thought it 
it was a good song and a good moment in the movie for me. So that was one of the reasons that I picked it. I think also part of it is that my three favorite voices in this musical are Hugh Jackman, Zac Efron, and Zendaya, and I don't think they're in this song at all. Yeah, true. I mean, Zendaya is, isn't she? But, like, you know what I mean. Like, she's, like, a backing vocal, isn't she? Well, yeah, but the the primary vocals that they do have in this song are very powerful, too. But I understand you also have, like, uh, preferences. <laughs> You understand that I have preferences. Well, I understand that you, like, pick people that you know instead of, like, people that are really, really good. Oh, okay, so this is interesting. You just... What? So, I don't pick the good people, I just pick the people I know. Well, you pick... Okay, so you pick the... Like, it's very typical of you to say, rewrite the stars would be your number one, because it has Zac Efron in it, and I know you have a man crush on him. Um, I just have a regular crush on him. Yeah. Just like it, any song with Ryan Gosling in it, even if it was him saying, like, something fucking stupid and it was really <laughs> bad, you would be like, oh my god, that was the best song I've ever heard because it's Ryan Gosling. Like, that whole other situation that you had when we saw La La Land and you were like, Ryan Gosling could tap, he's an amazing dancer. I was like, he literally did a shuffle step and that was all he did. Like, it wasn't hard, but now you think that Ryan Gosling walks on water and he's fucking God, but he's not. So I think being a good dancer and walking on water are two different things, but Ryan Gosling can do both. Um, I have this weird problem with songs where, like, when I hear them for the first time, I never, I almost never pay attention to the lyrics. Like, the first time I listened all the way through to Hamilton, I had, I had no idea what the story was. I was like, no one, what? No one really does when you first learn a song because you don't know the words. So you have, like, no... But I never like, listen to the lyrics. I'm just like, this is a great sound. I like how it sounds because I'm a dumb, simple-minded folk. But then, like, by the 30th time, I'm like, these are these lyrics are great. Except for the Emma Stone audition one. That's when I was like, whew. Pebbles. The ripples from Pebbles, the painters and poets and plays. Uh. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, okay, Any so I had never enough as my honorable mention. Do you have any honorable mentions you'd like to give a shout-out to? My honorable mention would be The Greatest Showman because I do like, not The, the Greatest Show, not The Greatest Showman, um, The Greatest Show because I did like that song and I like its whole theatrical vibe and how it opens up the movie and it closes the movie and everything comes full circle. Ladies and really. gents, this is the moment you waited for. Honestly, that's like the best. I'm going to play it right now because it's... I don't like, know if we're legally allowed to do that on the podcast. Oh, you can't? Then I'll just sing it. I did it. I did it already, so I'm not gonna sing it again. But. I just well, actually, I don't know. Like, there's no official advertiser yet, so I'm sure you could, but I don't want to get sued. Don't don't push it. I'll just listen to it after we're done with this. All right, before we wrap up, uh, why does your sweatshirt say pink, but it's not pink? Because it's that's the brand name is pink, and don't judge me because I'm wearing the same sweatshirt tomorrow when we go to the movies. So yeah, we're seeing. Uh, what are we seeing? Molly's game. Dude, I don't even know. I don't want to pay to go to this movie. We'll I'd do... rather pay to go see The Greatest Showman again. We'll do top five Molly's game songs. Uh, probably not, because we're going to a 9.50 show time, and I'll probably <laughs> fall asleep in the movies, so... Well, Caleb <sighs> seems excited for it, but... Shelby... Thank you, oh god. Nope. Did I lo- Nope, I did not lose the recording, so... Don't worry. <laughs> Ooh, that would have been scary. Okay, thank you for being here, Shelby. No problem. Thank you for having me.